Eli Drinkwitz meets the media in Atlanta and drops an interesting tidbit about Chris Abrams' drain. Plus, Sam Horn, after the first two days of the NFL draft, has not been selected. Well, that means he's probably coming to Mizzou, folks. So let's talk about all this and more coming up right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. And yesterday in Atlanta, Eli Drinkwitz got behind the lectern in Atlanta. SEC media days at an increasingly irrelevant event. Let's be honest. At this point, especially post-pandemic, my goodness, I think all the beat writers have realized, wait a minute, why do we have to spend a bunch of money and time going across state lines to what? Hear a bunch of boring quotes from football coaches? I got to be honest, that I think everybody's figured that out at once because yesterday's Q&A after Eli Drinkwitz opening responses among some of the worst questions I've ever heard asked. And in fact, most of them didn't have a whole lot to do with Missouri specifically, but you know what? There were some good gems anyway, in spite of the mostly Alabama, Auburn, and Georgia crowds, right? The people who are closest to Atlanta. There was a lot of questions about, hey, how about that three tight end set at Georgia, huh? to a a very confused Eli Drinkwitz, surely, at a certain point. We had questions about Auburn. We had questions about the St. Louis Cardinals. But you know what? We actually did have one, to me, very interesting revelation that I haven't heard anybody else talking about, and that's regarding Chris Abrams' drain, who was, of course, the Missouri slot corner last year, a slot defensive back. He played high school quarterback. He played wide receiver, punt returner initially in 2020 for the Tigers, but to me, really found a home in the defensive backfield last year. So I thought it was really interesting to hear that, oh, hey, guess what? Chris Abrams drain, he's going to be changing positions once again. So let's hear Eli Drinkwitz talk about that young man here really quickly. Um, you know, when we signed him, we signed him as an athlete. We felt like, and probably could have easily kept him at wide receiver, but we felt like we had a need on the defensive side of the ball. And he's a guy who's grown. He works extremely hard. He's developed his technique. He's bought into how we do things. Um, and I can't say enough positive things about him. Um, look forward to him. He, you know, last year he played nickel slot. This year he's going to play more corner. Uh, and, uh, you know, didn't play in the spring because of injury, but has really battled himself back and is in the best shape of his life. And uh, look forward to uh, him really being a guy for us on the defensive side of the ball. So a couple things there. Number one, I, I thought just from my own personal observations, I thought Chris Abrams drain performed really, really well as the nickel slot last year, as Drinkwitz called that position. 
So I, I guess your first reaction might be, gee, why move him out of that position? Well, first of all, I think some of that might have to do with Ennis Rakestraw's possible av- availability this fall. I've got to think that if you thought, hey, Rakestraw, if he didn't tear his ACL, for instance, last year, if you thought, oh, for sure he's going to be recovered by game one this fall, be 100%, well, hey, no problem, right? All systems go on the outside. Perhaps DJ Jackson, again, a guy who played really well, I thought, as a freshman last season. Maybe just stick with the stick with Chris Abrams' drain in that position. As I said before, he's moved around a lot, right? Well, I think his skill set can handle a move to the outside, number one. But I, that does make me wonder about Rakestraw's availability. And Coming, what what will he be, nine months removed for that type of injury? Less than a year, for sure, from actually having that reconstruction. It wouldn't be a surprise if he's not ready to go week one. It seems like a lot of times these days we sort of take these ACL injuries a little bit for granted. It's almost, back in the day when I was a kid, that was a career ender. Remember when Michael Washington, the Missouri running back, I still remember when he tore his knee up on Faroe Field on that Omni turf. Well, he was never the same again. Tony Van Zant, go even farther back. He tore his ACL playing a, a, a high school all-star game. He was never the same. Never played organized football again, to my knowledge. But these days, guys come back remarkably quick from that injury, especially NFL-type players. And Missouri has a great training staff. Upper upper level kind of stuff, no doubt about it. But at the same time, let's be patient with Rake Straw. Not all ACL injuries are created equally, and that is a serious, serious injury for anybody to come back from. So I just think those comments by Drinkwitz, number one, an interesting decision to me to move a guy who pro football focus graded out very well as the slot corner to move him outside is an interesting decision. I think Chris Abrams drain can handle it. A little surprised. I haven't heard more talk about this, but to me, that was the biggest revelation from what was otherwise a, a pretty boring and pedestrian sec media days, a concept that at this point probably just needs to go away. Let's be real. Now, fortunately the media in Atlanta Since Sam Horn is from the state of Georgia, they thought, aha, here we go. Now we have something we can ask about. So fortunately, we did get to hear about Sam Horn, who so far through 10 rounds of the Major League Baseball draft has not been selected. So that's got to make you think he's coming to Missouri, right? Well, if you listen to Eli Drinkwitz, still not 100% a sure thing, but you got to feel better about it if you're a Missouri fan. So let's talk about the true freshman quarterback and probable baseball player for the Tigers this coming season as well. But first, I want to tell you about one of our finest sponsors, and that is, of course, LinkedIn Jobs. Hey, create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Come on. If you can't find somebody from that pool, you're doing something wrong. And the beauty of LinkedIn is they're going to help you narrow it down, find the perfect candidates, who you're looking for, add your job, add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're looking for new people. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires 
versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 400 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? We'll post your job for free once again at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Which NFL stars move the betting line the most? Well, starting July 18th. In fact, that's yesterday. Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. Again, available now on Locked On NFL wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. And speaking of line movers, let's hope that San, Sam Horn excuse me, is a line mover for your Missouri Tigers one day. I definitely have a lot of hope in that man's not only talented right arm, but his ability to scramble around a little bit as well. Well, he's also quite the talent on the mound, too, on baseball. He's definitely a, considered by some before the Major League Baseball draft started to be a top 100 prospect. Well, even, despite that, Sam Horn unselected in the first 10 rounds of the drafts. So you might be saying to yourself, well, I guess those people didn't know what they were talking about who ranked him that high. Well, not so fast, my friend. And let's actually listen to what Eli Drinkwitz had to say about Sam Horn, and I'll give you some more context on all this on the back end. Well, Sam's currently on campus uh, right now, um, and just because he hasn't been drafted uh, doesn't mean that he hasn't taken phone calls. The, NFL, the, the, the major league draft is a lot different than he has uh, than, than any other sports draft. They actually call you before and ask, are you going to be willing to take this slot? Um, and, and, and so Sam and his uh, representation, his parents, have had a plan the whole time. Uh, they know what their plan is. They know what their worth is. And, and they're waiting to see if, if somebody uh, uh, wants to, to maybe meet that. Um, but currently right now we expect him. He was at workouts this morning. He'll be at workouts tomorrow. Um, but the draft's not over yet. And uh, Sam's a, a, a really talented player that's got a great opportunity to leave his mark uh, on Mizzou football and, and Mizzou baseball. And we're excited for him to come in and, and be the best version of himself. So like Eli said in that bite, anything is still possible. I suppose somebody could take Sam Horn and that wouldn't be a surprise at all if he got drafted, I suppose, at some point in this process. But with 10 rounds already gone, I think the the odds of him signing a, a significant contract, and it would have to be significant. As Eli alluded to there, Sam and his family, they, they have a plan. In other words, they're going to sit back and, and wait. They're gonna, if somebody gives them an offer that absolutely blows them away, sure, they're going to be open to that and listen. Again, this is, this is purely my interpretation of what's happening here, but I think this is a pretty logical conclusion. The Horn family, Sam himself, they're sitting around saying, hey, you know what would be fun? Playing SEC football and SEC baseball. Even just taking football off the table. I personally would much rather play SEC baseball at any of the 14 current teams in the Southeastern Conference than play minor league baseball. 
all things being equal, right? Well, at Missouri, these days, hey, you can get some name, image, and likeness money, right? But to be 18 years old and to just be on the, the Delaware mud hens or whatever, that, that's just not that appealing of a lifestyle. Sure, you're playing baseball and you're getting paid decently well to do so, but man, those bus trips and stuff, really not all that glamorous. Playing SEC baseball, a lot more fun, and oh, guess what? You might be the starting quarterback at Missouri, too, perhaps sooner rather than later. So to me, this was always the logical outcome here unless somebody you know, just wanted to pay Sam Horn millions of dollars because they loved him that much as a prospect. And to be honest, for as talented as his right arm is on the gridiron and on top of a baseball mound, there just isn't enough evidence yet that he's a sure thing prospect as a baseball player, if those even exist, especially for high school pitchers. I'm not really sure that a sure thing prospect exists at this point. So this was always, to me, the going to be the outcome, the logical outcome of all this. Horn was, was going to make his way to Columbia, is going to probably play baseball and football. Hopefully he'll be great in both. Heck, maybe in three years or three or four years, he'll have a decision on his hands whether he wants to be a baseball player or an NFL player one day. Hopefully he's that freaking good, folks. But the good news is, as of now, the conclusion is Sam Horn's coming to Columbia and heck, he might even have a chance to start at some point in 2022. Now, as I said before, the Q&A portion of Eli Drinkwood's appearance in Atlanta, not the most thrilling session I've ever seen in my life. Not a ton of great questions, I have to say. Some embarrassingly bad questions at times, in fact. But there was at least one other interesting moment that came out of it, I thought. And that was Eli Drinkwitz talking about how the calendar has changed for college football and how essentially the transfer portal, well, it's condensed the timeline quite a bit. And you know what? Let's just hear from Eli. We'll let him say it. You know, in the past, when you established a program, it was consistent over the years. You, you built it through mat, mat drills in fall, or, or sorry, in winter conditioning. That's not the case anymore. You don't know who your team's going to be until May. And really, summer conditioning and fall camp are really going to win. You, you, you develop and uh, your leaders, uh, you develop the, the identity of your program and the identity of your team. Um, and so I think it's a new challenge for college football. Uh, you know, you do mat drills in, in, in February and in March and those guys transfer and new guys come in and haven't experienced it. You're going to have to go back to the drawing board to have that shared adversity, shared experience to develop the leadership that you need to, to win games. By the way, just a quick gridiron glossary here. Mat drills. That's basically all the stuff in football that isn't fun. The conditioning part, little speed, kind of speed type drills. Think up-downs. You see the football players when they are sort they have to run in place real hard for a second and then they get down on their stomach and then pop right back up and run to the side or whatever. Just picture that kind of stuff. You're wondering what mat drills are. Basically, the absolute torture of football practice. That's what mat drills are. But again, that was Drinkwitz just talking about the challenge of building rapport on a football team building leadership, building camaraderie, and all that different kinds of stuff. Well, you know what? We actually saw a ton of camaraderie 
this weekend at the Lawrence Bowers Damari Carroll charity basketball game. I attended it with my three-year-old daughter, in fact. It was really fun to, in fact, just see the intergenerational play there. And actually, some thoughts occurred to me at that game that actually jibe with what Eli Drinkwitz's opening statements were at SEC Media Day. So you know what? I want to tell you all about that, but first let's talk about our friends over at betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. And to me, this is the time of year where I start looking at NFL futures, player props, all that good stuff. So if you think, hey, Patrick Mahomes, you're really buying into this idea that that he suddenly sucks and that he's going to be terrible and regress without Tyreek Hill, well, by all means, put your money where your mouth is over at betonline.net. But hey, there's plenty of college football futures. Maybe you're not into football, which would be weird if you're still listening to this. But hey, they've got Major League Baseball, the NBA, NHL, combat sports, even esports and golf, yeah, those are two of my favorite things. I like video games and golf. What can I say? But you know what? Whatever you're into, once again, you got to head to betonline.net today, where the game starts. First of all, I feel like I owe a sincere apology to Lawrence Bowers and Damari Carroll, all the guys who came out for that charity basketball game because, well, I, I never really plugged it on this podcast. I kept meaning to, but for some reason, every time I would record, other things would come up and sort of pushed it to the back end. And by the time the game happened, I thought, gosh, well, I, I didn't even plug the game. So apologies to them and apologies to anybody who was unaware of that because it was a fun event. It really was. And especially if you're an autograph seeker, well, my goodness, you've got from the last 20 plus years or so, you've got most of the most relevant players that aren't currently in the NFL, for instance. We didn't get any of those guys, but hey, even current NBA player Michael Porter Jr. showed up on the bench. And speaking of Michael Porter Jr., it was just fun to see the interplay, not only between guys who obviously are old friends, but guys who are intergenerational from Missouri. For instance, Brian Grower played in the game, a guy who's a little a tiny bit older than me. He's probably twice Michael Porter Jr.'s age at this point. In fact, he definitely is, but Brian's still looking good, by the way. But it was fun to see Brian bring over a young fan wearing a Michael Porter Jr. Missouri jersey. They took a little picture together, met and all that kind of stuff. So that was a cool moment. You also I also noted that Marcus Denman and Corby Jones were talking, right? You know, just fun to see not only these guys are different generations, different sports, but clearly whether it was and, and then at another point I saw Doug Smith, my favorite player from my youth, put his arm around Michael Porter Jr pointed up to the rafters and up to his number 34 that was retired up there in the rafters. So, you know, it was just kind of busting his chops a little bit, it seems. So, again, just a bunch of really fun little moments. You saw a picture with Brad Smith, with Jeremy Macklin and Sean Weatherspoon, who he never played with. And just everybody just seemed to be having a good time. Not exactly the most beautiful basketball I've ever seen in my life, but, hey, it's a charity game. That's not the point. I think... The point was was done very well here. I will say that. I thought the game came off great. It seemed like everybody had a good time. 
all the players were extremely friendly that I could see to to the to the, the to the uh, excuse me the fans and everybody who came to seek autographs and all that good stuff. So my main point here is actually that it was interesting. Eli Drinkwood started his comments in Atlanta somewhat sort of mirroring what I've been saying on this program, that college football really is at a, a very strange place right now where it doesn't seem to know what it wants to be. Now, Drinkwitz didn't have a lot of real specific, concrete solutions to any of the the upheaval that's happening, for lack of a better term. And he also said that, hey, the name, image, and likeness stuff, the transfer portal – he said that's that stuff's all been a long time coming, in fact. But, and here's the thing, though. The transfer portal, it gets very, you know, it gets muddled, the arguments for them. Because it sort of seems like, okay, there's a bunch of money around, like Eli Drinkwitz makes $4 million a year. And lots of people in the athletic department make a whole bunch of money, right? And it seems odious that, well, these college kids, quote-unquote, this is before NIL, it just doesn't seem fair that they had to sit out a year, right? That's the argument. Well, here's something, but maybe step back a little bit and realize that, hey, maybe there was something about that rule that actually worked. Yes, it's unfair if you compare it to what head coaches, their their ability to move on whenever they want, but being a head coach is also different than a player. But regardless of how you feel that about it, my real worry is that we're going to start to lose that camaraderie, that place that you can always come home again, which I'm staring at a picture of Brad Smith and Sean Weatherspoon and Jeremy Macklin right now. It's been nearly 20 years since Brad Smith took a snap for the Tigers, and yet he can always come back to this place and basically be a hero, and not only to the fans, but again, to guys who were who were younger, who didn't even play with Brad Smith. Guys like Jeremy Macklin and Sean Weatherspoon, well, they all have this this unique shared experience and camaraderie that, guess what, Blake Harris doesn't have. The guy who came in with Michael Porter Jr., remember Blake Harris? He was here for a half a season. I don't even know if he made it a full season with the Tigers. But the point is, Blake Harris has now played for four or five different colleges. Who does Who is his... Who does he get to come home to? Who is his shared experience going to be? Are we going to see Blake Harris come back for an all-star game one day at Mizzou? Well, no, because nobody's going to really remember or care who we, who he was, unfortunately. And my point is, is not to pick on Blake Harris, obviously. He was just the first example that popped into my head. My point is, if the norm starts to become, oh, it's a bunch of Every guy has played for two or three different colleges in their career. Well, guess what? The specialness of what made this shared experience called college football, called college athletics, something that was not only special at the time, but clearly these guys 15, 20, 30 years later want to come back to and reconnect with in a certain point. Again, Doug Smith has not played basketball for the Tigers for 30 years, and yet he came back and had this experience and got to 
bust Michael Porter Jr.'s chops a little bit and say, hey, you didn't you didn't get your number retired, did you? Wh- whatever he said. It seemed like it was kind of one of those moments. seemed like Doug Smith was having an absolute blast out there. He banked in the, the first basket of the game from three-point land, much to the delight of Norm Stewart. That definitely put a smile on his face. And again, just to see Norm back in the front row, sitting with Dennis Gates, seeing Dennis Gates help the aging Norm Stewart up to his feet, kind of put a little bit of a a tear in my eye. I'm not going to be just a a whole bunch of different emotions were going through my mind during that moment. But again, it's this, this, these connections, these memories that we're all making. If we don't have anything to come back to, if we're all just transferring all the time, it's sort of like having nine wives versus having one, right? At a certain point, and I'm not insulting people who have mixed families and blended families and all that good stuff. If you got a divorce once and you made it work the second time, good for you. That, that's not the point. I'm just making an analogy here. At a certain point, what is college sports? That's what Eli Drinkwitz is asking. I think that's what all of us should be asking. What makes this different than the pros? Why are we still doing this? Well, to me, why does this matter? It's because we're making memories. We're making connections with these players that we sort of fall in love with over the course of two, three, four years. Often, that's all. hopefully four years, right? But even Jeremy Macklin, a guy who played here for two years, has always felt like just an enormous part of this program, and obviously he feels it too. So I just fear I don't have the perfect solution, just like Drinkwitz, but I just fear that we're going to lose that. I really, really do. Who are the guys who are going to come back in 20 years? We'll find out. But with all that being said, if you want to get more from the SEC, go ahead and check out Locked On SEC. Make it your second listen every day. Chris Gordy and the local experts of Locked On take you across the SEC. In less than 30 minutes again, that's Locked On SEC. So until next time, I am John Miller, and thanks for listening to Locked on Mizzou.